everybody. This headline podcast is presented by BetMGM, the king of sports books. Breaking news from The Athletic. Scott Burnside here from The Athletic with Craig Custance. The bell has sounded. Did you just yawn in the middle of my intro? No, that was not a yawn. That was a a sign of anxiety. I'm like, whew, you said the bell. I've been waiting for this bell. The bell has. The bell that. (laughs) The bell ends on the NHL trade deadline 2021. But but the great thing about the NHL trade deadline, Greg, is that that doesn't really mean anything, right? Trades keep popping up uh, minutes and minutes after the the actual formal uh, deadline. And. I think we have to start with one that came in right at the very end of the day. And I have to tell you, I did not see this coming at all. Anthony Mantha going from Detroit to the Washington Capitals, Richard Panic, uh, Jacob Brana, a couple of high-end draft picks going to Detroit. Um, what did you make of that when that first came down? You're in Detroit, so you understand yeah. the dynamics with with Mantha and, and, and where the Red Wings are at in their rebuild. But boy, this is, this I think qualifies as a blockbuster. Yeah, no, it's good. It, it saved deadline day as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> as, as we're sitting there writing about Jordy Ben and, and Braden Coburn Branson going for a seventh round. <laughs> That's right. Like, so, so thank you, first of all, to Brian McClellan and Steve Eiserman for, for giving us a legitimate trade to talk about. Um, so here's the thing. So a, a few weeks ago, or even like a month ago, when we start we start poking around on trade boards and talking to people, uh, there was it was pretty clear Steve Eisman was listening on just about anything that ha- that wasn't Dylan Larkin, right? Like he, you know, he's he's rebuilding. They need to add young players and picks. Um, and and you got the sense he wasn't particularly enamored with Anthony Mantha, and and probably for the reason a lot of people get frustrated with Anthony Mantha. Uh, they see his skill level. He's he's incredibly incredibly talented, six foot five, capable of scoring a ton of goals, and isn't always engaged. Um, doesn't always use his body the way you'd want a six foot five forward to play. But um, no questioning his talent, no questioning his upside. And um, but you know when you talk to people, it's like wow, that's that still seems like an off season deal. Even after the fact, I got a text. Someone was like, boy, I, I thought that was going to happen in the <laughs> summer, not now. Um, and I think the reason it happened now is Brian McClellan stepped to the plate and delivered what I would say is a pretty big package for Anthony Mantha. Um, and, you know, the first and second pick, you know, a player in Verona who probably, I'm guessing, frustrated Washington in, in some of the same ways maybe Detroit was frustrated with Mantha. But um, what I like about it, Scott, most and is that if you're the Washington Capitals, you know, we saw so many premium picks traded for guys that aren't going to be part of the team, uh, you know, three months from now or whatever. And Brian McClellan, you know, pushed in and got a player in Anthony Mantha who's going to be around a while. And perhaps playing in, in under the spotlight of a cup contending team with a Hall of Famer, a couple of Hall of Famers, maybe that that level of engagement that people want to see more of Anthony Mantha happens often in Washington. Anthony Mantha, and I didn't realize this till I just looked, he's never played. In an NHL playoff game, right? So, right. This is, I, I, I mean, there's a certain amount of risk for Brian McClellan because I agree with you. Um, a, he's, you know, he's got cost certainty. He's under contract, I think, through twenty three, twenty four. Um, but let's just check that because I think we want to be right here. Yeah, twenty three, twenty four. Yeah. But he, you know, he has no playoff experience. But maybe 
you know, maybe to your point, maybe that, you know, this is, he's totally engaged now and he plays on a very deep, very good Washington team. And I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. I think, I think there was some disenchantment with Jacob Bronner, who's going to be an RFA. Um, and what sort of pull back the lens a little bit and you look at the moves made by the top four teams in the East division, Washington sitting in first place right now, tied with the Islanders. Of course, the Islanders make a big splash with Kyle Palmieri and Travis Sajak. Pittsburgh gets Jeff Carter. I love the Jeff Carter ad in Pittsburgh, very understated. And, of course, Boston uh, adding Taylor Hall. Um, I don't know. What do you make of that? And is it really like an arms race? Like, Do you think Washington looked around and said, we got to do something because these other teams did that? Do you believe that exists? I, I mean, sure. I think you're human and you're a GM and you're competitive and you see all these teams adding. And also, you know, let's not forget Alex Ovechkin. It, I mean, I, you know, his contract's up after this year. I don't know if that means he's going to go anywhere, but he's 35, a UFA after this season. Uh, you know, this this is an aging core and we talk a lot about Stanley Cup windows. How much longer is, is the Washington Capitals window going to be? So, you don't want to sit there and let all these other teams uh, make the big play and and not you know and not take part. But again, I mean, almost every player that you mentioned there, you know, as much as you like the Taylor Hall trade for the Boston Bruins, he's not part of their long term answer there. And and it's there's such a condensed period of time right now from the trade deadline to the start of the playoffs in in a weird year that it's hard enough to get these guys to fit in during a normal season. Now we're asking during a, a tighter schedule in a pandemic and all the craziness to to for these for these rental players to fit in if mantha does nothing for the capitals this year they still have him like you said now signed for 3 years after that so um it's it, yes it's a big gamble but ultimately you're 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 placing a wager that anthony mantha is going to be better than verona over the next couple of years and i don't mind that wager yeah uh, I'm going to ask you about a couple of teams. I want you to give me your impression. Uh, I've been fascinated to watch Bill Zito do his work in yeah. South Florida with the Florida Panthers. His first year as GM there, uh, almost all his offseason work has been outstanding. Of course, he loses Aaron Eckblad to a season-ending knee injury and uh, has been, I just think he's approached his trade deadline in a fascinating way. He adds um, Brandon Montour from Buffalo, didn't, play well in Buffalo, but okay, let's name a player who did. Um, And then I thought, again, late in the trade deadline going uh, on Monday afternoon, add Sam Bennett, former number four overall pick in 2014. Um, He's going to be an RFA, but has shown he can play in the playoffs. And I just said really sort of interesting approach to the trade deadline to a Florida team. Mm -hmm. I I made this comment the other day. Pierre Lebrun mocked me for it, but I say this might be the most talented Florida Panthers team ever going back. And that includes the 96 team that went to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, uh, here's I'm with you. I think Bill Zito did a nice job. You know, this team, it's one of those these cases where they're overachieving this year and you want to throw them a bone. So when they lose Aaron Eckblad, you want to replace him on the back end. Um, The Sam Bennett trade. I need to. I feel like I need to talk this through with you, Scott, because I didn't. I didn't love it, and and I think the reason why is that um, I, I know when talking to people in Florida when when this kind of new regime came in, I don't think they felt like there was a ton of prospects coming. Right, like the the you know there just wasn't. It's not a deep prospect pool. 
you know, they, they need to, they needed to refresh that. They needed to bring in more young talent, all the things you say when you take over. And I think they believe that and, and to ship out essentially two second round picks to get Sam Bennett, who, yes, he's got a lot of pedigree, but um, seems to be bottom six, right? At this point, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 they've, they've made a lot of smart moves in Florida. That's one I, I still want to talk through a little bit. Of. <laughs> well, I, I just, I look at to where, Sam Bennett came from, and is there anyone who plays in Calgary that doesn't come out stained with the term underachiever? So, uh, mm. you know, I, I just think that Sam Bennett uh, has the potential to thrive in a new environment and under Joel Quenville, and he can play center and wing. He's shown some, uh, you know, he can play a little bit of a heavier game. So I, I, I'm willing to give uh, Bill Zito the uh, the benefit of, uh, of the doubt there, although uh, your point is well taken that, uh, if you really are looking to the future, it's not. This isn't just a one season thing here, and yeah. you know, there's still lots of young players. It's a very young team still. Like I, there's Sam Bennett's only 24 too. Yeah, so exactly. maybe you just like look. He's going to be but be- at 24. Sam Bennett's going to be better than whatever we get in the second round. And here, here's the other thing. Like I have a lot of faith in you. Know, look at the staff they put together there. I mean, you know, Sonny made on the, on the analytics side, but you know, Paul Fenton. For whatever you think of the job he did in Minnesota, I don't think anyone questions his ability to evaluate talent. And Rick Dudley, again, another another high end talent evaluator. So Bill Zito, in his first you know go around as an NHL GM, has done a good job surrounding himself with people that are known for identifying talent. And Sam Bennett's one of those people that people seem to have always loved. All right. Uh, well, before we wrap up, I, I want you to pick a team, a team or a player or a move, and you were like, "All right, I really I can't wait to see." What happens with that player, that team, that move? You know, I'm going to say the Nick Felino move to Toronto. Uh, maybe, maybe just because I love Nick Felino. Of course, like, who doesn't yes. love Nick Felino? <laughs> and you're sitting there, and you and you. I, I look at. I was just talking to Myrtle about this today. You look at the moves that Kyle Dubas has made, and just the quality of people they that he's brought in. I mean, Nick Felino might be the easiest guy to root for. Jack Campbell, easy guy yeah. to root for. Joe Thornton, all the like. These are he's filling that room with these with these people that are not only going to help him win a cup, but but man, um, what a bunch of characters that people are just going to love. And I I don't know, you know, I, again, it was a big price to pay to add Nick Felino, but I think I, I'm I'm looking forward to watching how that plays out, and I'm looking forward to perhaps you know this media market that that could put a lot of pressure on somebody. You know, appreciating somebody like Nick Felino, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. What about you? Well, I I think it's going to be a ton of fun until Eric Stahl scores in uh, double overtime in Game Seven <laughs> after the Leafs have blown a three-one series lead, and oh, uh, you know, but it's going to be a fun ride until it uh, till that happens. So, but no, honestly, I, I'm with you, and and honestly, Nick Felino might be, you know, one of the the best people in the game. I you know, I don't care if he never plays another game; he's still one of the best people in the game. But I will say, and I think. You know, I think this is how it will likely shake down. I, I think the Leafs are going to play Montreal in the first round, and I know Mark Bergevin. There was, you know, the, not just the Eric Stall, but um, there's a lot of stuff going on with that Montreal team. And and mm-hmm. what better way to hopefully emerge from this pandemic and maybe see light at the end of the tunnel? What better way than to see a Montreal-Toronto playoff series first time since 1979? I believe. It would be so much fun. So I'm, 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 uh, I'm already, I'm already, you know, penciling that into my playoff watching category. 
I mean, that's the fun part, right? We, we've been talking about trades for a month and everything, and now we can say, all right, now now the games are more fun than ever, and how do these players fit in? And Taylor Hall in Boston, <laughs> holy cow. Like, that's that's amazing. And, and you know, we didn't even get into that too much. But, uh, like, I, I, you're right. Like, it's, it's going to be so much fun to see how this plays out. Yep, and it's going to be fun, too, especially when the Rangers overtake Boston for fourth place in the East. But anyway, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Listen, we have to go. But thank you for joining our breaking news coverage. So go to the Athletics new headlines section for much more on this story. And to get access to all of the Athletics great sports content, visit theathletic.com slash headline pod, where you can find our latest subscription offer for just $3.99 per month. Craig Custance, outstanding work by you. Uh, Take a breather. Take a uh, sit down. Have a, have a glass of red. Enjoy the enjoy the respite. I will. You too. 